morning, Shavuot Tov. Today's daf is daf Chof Aleph. Today's shir is Le'ilunishmas Shlomo ben Aaron and Shaina bas Yitzchak and Yitzchak Leib ben Yosef. May the Neshama have an Aliyah and may the memory be a blessing. It's also for a full Shlomo of Yitzchak, uh, Yitzchak Yehuda ben Miriam and he have a complete and speedy recovery. Okay, so I'm not going to, I'm going to, let's go from towards the top of Chof Aleph um, Amud Aleph 21a, but just the Mishnah brought a whole list of mitzvahs that are for the day, and Rashi highlights that obviously there's a principle of Zrizim Akdimim the mitzvahs, you should do the mitzvah as soon as possible, but any mitzvah that's the obligation is during the day, you can do the whole day. Obviously, the one relevant for us is Mikra Megillah, you can read the Megillah the whole day. Um, again, ideally, you should do it as early in the morning as possible, from sun, um, you should do it early in the morning, um, but if you don't get a chance, the whole day, you can do the mitzvah, and th- there was a, lo- a long list, uh, saying halal, blowing shofar, t- uh, lulav, davening musaf, um, doing shchit of a korban, uh, video of a korban, kibitzah, a whole long list of all mitzvahs, a whole range of mitzvahs, that again, ideal, you can do the whole day. We also said that when does the day start regarding this halacha? Sunrise. And we said, but Bidi Evan, if you did it from dawn, sunrise is when the sun starts to come above the horizon, but if you did it from dawn, that's as soon as it starts to get the light in the sky, that is good enough. The reason Chazal said from sunrise it's almost because it's hard to tell exactly when's dawn, when's it too early, and when's it dawn. So the easiest is sunrise. So that was the first one of the mitzvah. And then the Mishnah went to the flip side and did all mitzvahs that are, are a of to do at night. There's a much shorter list, but mitzvahs that you can do at night, you can do any time during the night and uh, you would fulfill your obligation. Um, and the one example there was that we're going to go into now is um, Ketsiris Omer, harvesting the Omer. So I'd just like to go from there, just because it has a practical halacha, that's why I thought we'll start from there. So it's the fifth line of Chof Alaf Amor It says, You can do Ketsiris Omer, harvesting for the Omer the whole night. Remember on the second day of Pesach, there was a special korban from the new wheat, um, from the new barley harvest. Um, and that was, and they would harvest the grain for it. Was it the wheat or the barley? Yeah. They would harvest the grain for it on the night before, and then in the morning they would offer it. So he says, the Omar, and yeah, and basically what the Gomorrah did is it took the list and went where we see in the Chumash that each of which pasuk shows us that it has to be done during the day. But it says the Omar regarding Ketzira uh, Sa'imer harvesting for the Omer, says, Ketzira Vesfira Belayla, harvesting and counting are at night. Vahabah, but when do you bring the Omer? Bayom in the day. So that would be in Israel, again, the first day of the 16th of Nisan, is when you bring the Omer. Now just on this comment that you do, Sfira Sa'imer, again, Ketzira Vesfira, harvesting and counting at night. So Tosus, I mean, I think we know this Halacha, but it's just uh, a, a practical Halacha, totally off out of context from, well, from our time of the year. So he says, Kolalayla, it's on the previous Amud, at the bottom of Chof Amud Beis, Tosus there says, Omar Abedu Tam, She'ir M'shochach Levorech, Belayla, Lo Yavorech, Beyom. Kedamash, Mabahai, Stamad, Amanisin. 
Rabbeinu Tam says that if you forgot to say the bracha at night on Sviris Omer, counting the Omer, you don't count it, you don't say the bracha in the day. And he says, oh, but there's another Gemara elsewhere, that anonymous Mishnah that implies that it's Bidyevid Kosher. He says, our, stama, our anonymous Mishnah is better because what's our Mishnah doing? Our Mishnah is just listing halachas. So it's a clear, definitive mitzvah, Mishnah of what the halacha should be and therefore you should follow our mitzvah and therefore it says, Spirit of Amir, the mitzvah is at night and therefore you would only say the bracha at night. Um, yeah, he calls it Hilchus Sikta to dinner. Halachas, uh, set halachas according to the din, according to the final halacha. Then he brings another, he says, if even according to that Gemara there, that seems to imply you can do Megillah, um, sorry, that you can do the Ksitzira, the harvesting of the Omer during the day, I, which would then we would say the same thing with counting, you could count during the day. He says, no, he would agree by counting that you can't say the bracha in the day because the Torah repeats itself to Mimos, full days. And full days mean you have to count at night so that the counting is including today is the, whatever, 25th day of the Omer has to include some of the night and some of the day to be counted, to be considered complete. So he says, granted by harvesting, you might get away with doing it during the day. Again, not ideal, but you can. Counting with the bracha, you'd have to do at night. And he says, that's how long he says, and he brings it from the Baha'i, he says, If you forgot to count the spheres of Amir at night, You count the following day without a bracha. And then he says, and again, this is the halacha that we know, However, if you forgot both day and night, for the night and the day, you forgot to count a full day of the Omer, then you can't count further without a bracha because you need to have a complete counting, a counting over all 50, um, over all 49 days till we arrive at Schwartz on the 50th day. And just very interestingly, the Gemara, where this is discussed, I don't remember if it's Menachos or where else it came up. Um, where does it Yeah, I think it's Menachos. But there, there's a big discussion in Tosfos and the other Rishonim. Is, the, is it a separate mitzvah to count each night? Are the mitzvah interconnected that you have to count? Like, what happened, like according to some opinions, if you miss a day, you can still count because each day is a separate mitzvah. But our Tosfos here, which is how we follow, is clearly following the opinion that the whole unit of counting is one unit. And therefore, if you miss one day, you can't count with a bracha. Then he says, very interesting, he says, It says, after you finish counting this, the Omer, you should say, may it be his will that we rebuild the base Amidash, etc. I don't know if you remember, um, but there's a little Yehiratzon, we say after counting, that reflects this concept of that we done and for the rebuilding of the base Amidash. He says, says, which is not the same for Kirshofer and Lulav. He says, why not? So he says, behind the time, Lafisha ain't Ella, because here the whole mitzvah is in a way a remembrance of the base of Midash. Tosis is learning that really the mitzvah of Sirius Omer is only in the time when there is a base of Midash, and nowadays there is no base of Midash. 
So therefore, it's just a remembrance. But there is still a mitzvah to do shofar and lulav. Maybe not on every single day, but there's still, a, at least with lulav, but there's still a mitzvah to do it. So therefore, we don't say it's done in remembrance of the Beis HaMittash because we're doing the actual mitzvah, unlike Sfiris Omer, again, Tosas is Paskin in here on Machlokes, but unlike Sfiris Omer, which is a remembrance for the Beis HaMittash. Um, Okay, so that's, uh, that was the one aloha I want to just go into. Quite a few interesting points in that. Tosos, as I said, just about each of them is a contentious issue amongst the poskim. Um, but here he says it's straightforward and it's in line with how we paskin. Again, that if you, you count Sirius Omer at the night with a bracha, if you forget, then you count it the following day without a bracha, and then you can continue at night with a bracha. If you forget a whole day of the Omer, then you can't continue to count with a bracha. Okay, then it says, next point you'll see, um, then it says, Zeh HaKlau. Now this was at the Mishnah at the end, after giving a whole list of mitzvahs that can only be done during the day, it says, Zeh HaKlau, Dovashim Mitzvahs of Yom, Kosher Kola Yom. So it says, the Gemara, Zeh HaKlau, La'atuye Mai. What's Zeh HaKlau coming to include? So it says, La'atuye Siru Bezikin, Vesiluk Bezikin. It's coming to include putting the frankincense of the Lechem Aponim on the table and removing them. And this is only in accordance with Rebbe Yossi. Before we get there on Shabbos, remember there's the Lechem Aponim, that the showbread that were on the table. With it were two were spoons of frankincense that were put with it on the Shulchan. But what it's referring to is putting them... Yeah, so, yeah, but putting the loaves of bread. There's a Machlokes in Manachos. Because the Posuk, as we'll see, says the bread has to be on the table. Tomid. Always. So the Chachomim over there learn that Tomid means as you're sliding out the old loaf of bread, you're sliding in the new loaf of bread. So you're doing it instantly because you always, Tomid, you always have to have the bread on the table. Rabbi Yossi says, no, Tomid just means that you don't go a day without the bread on the table. So as long as you... Um, As long as during the day you've taken off the old one and then by the evening you've put on the new bread, that's considered Tomid consistently. So that's the Chidush. That's what it's coming to, to include. When it says, the general rule is coming to include something that can be done during the day. Is this according to Rabbi Yossi? As, let's see that inside now. The Tanya Rabbi Yossi, Oimer, If you take off the old ones from the shul, the old loaves of bread from the shulchan in the morning, and you put on the new ones in the evening, late afternoon. There's nothing wrong with that. Umani makayim if Hashem Tomid. Oh, but doesn't the Apostle say that the lechem upon him has to be on the table constantly before Hashem Tomid? No, that means shaloi yolin shulchan below lechem. That means that the table shouldn't go a whole night, shouldn't go at night without bread. But as long as there's bread on, put on during the day, and it's there overnight, then it's fine. So that's, uh, that's the Zeah cloud. Then it says, The mitzvah, the, anything that's mitzvah, another general rule, anything that's mitzvah is during the night, it's kosher the whole night. What's that coming to include? It says, To include eating the Korban Pesach, unlike Rebbe Elozo Ben Azariah. As we'll see, um, it's a machlokes again. Is Eating the Korban Pesach like a regular night mitzvah that you have to eat, that you have the whole night until dawn to eat it. Now again, all those mitzvahs like Kriyat Shema, you have the whole night to say it until dawn. 
um, just trying to think of how I get spirit. So Omer, all these mitzvahs that you have up the whole night to do it, up until dawn, there is a Zayra that you should do them by midnight. But again, what is the Koban Pesach in which we're saying our mitzvah is like that? The Koban Pesach is part of those rules. That you can eat it the whole night by dawn. Again, you should eat it by midnight, but you can't eat it until dawn. Or, there's the opinion of Rebbe Lozab and Azariah, as we'll see now in the Gemara, and why you have to eat it at midday. By midnight. Sorry, by midnight. So the tiny we learned in the price of Ochles Pesach, it's a boss of you'll eat the flesh of the common Pesach on this night. Omer Rebbe Lozab and Azariah, Neymar Khan Belayla Azeh, Neymar Lahalan Belvarti, Be'eris Misraim Belayla Azeh. It says, you shall eat it on this night. And it also says, I passed through Mitzrayim on this night. Oh, so it says, both are referring to this night, this night. It says, Just as we know, Hashem went through Mitzrayim and midnight. So to here, eating the Kofa Pesach must be until midnight. So Rabbi Lozab and Azariah doesn't learn like our Mishnah. Again, our Mishnah said that any mitzvah that is during the night, you can do it the whole night, aye, up until dawn. Rabbi Lozab and Azariah comes along and says, no, the Kofa Pesach is not like other night mitzvahs. The Kofa Pesach is limited until midnight. Well, again, a very interesting Tosfos and not practical to... Uh, uh, not, not for Maseches Megillah and still for Pesach, but it's coming up. It says, so Tosso says, it's Tosso's Divrei Hamaskul Atuye. She says, Nikol Mokom Nire, the Halacha Karebi Elozor. I still think the Halacha is like Rebbe Elozor, that you have to eat the Korban Pesach by midnight. Dohoik is Tama Ba'avei Psochim, because there's an anonymous mission in Psochim which goes like him. I'm not going to go through the place where he brings that Mishnah and then he brings a second uh, proof from in Brothers where it gives examples of mitzvahs that end at dawn but you should do them by midnight it doesn't mention the Koban Pesach so it's clearly the Koban Pesach is different so Tosos gives two reasons why we should Paschal like Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah not like our Mishnah our Mishnah says you have the whole night to eat to eat the Koban Pesach and Rebbe Lozo ben Azariah says you only have till midnight, and Tosa says you should paskin like Rebbe Lozo ben Azariah. Now, if you go to six lines from the bottom of Tosa, this is where it gets interesting for us. We don't have a compassion, but he says, If that's so, that the mitzvah is until midnight, you should hurry to eat matzah on Pesach before midnight. And even the Afrikomen you should eat before Manat. Because the obligation to eat Matzah is Doraisa. So, ah, so if you have to eat the common Pesach by midnight, because we pass like Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, then the same halacha would apply by Matzah. I'm assuming it's because I don't remember, and I have a feeling we touched on this when we did Arve um, Psachim, but when we did, when we learned uh, Maseches Psachim, but um, but uh, we do know there's a connection that says Almatzos Umoirim Yochelu. You must eat your korban Pesach with matz and maror, so they are connected. So maybe just as the korban Pesach is until midnight, the matz is until midnight. But on the other hand, matz is separated from korban Pesach because we know there's a mitzvah to eat matzah, whether or not you're having a korban Pesach. Maror we only eat as a mitzvah to Rabbonah now because there's no common Pesach. 
But matzah, we eat as an independent mitzvah doraisa. So I don't know why Tosos is adamant that because you limit the time of the Korban Pesach, you should limit the time of matzah. You're right, they connect it, but it is an independent mitzvah. But that's what Tosos holds. And then he says, interesting, he also says, Aval bahalel shol Regarding the halal that we say after eating the afikoman, I bench you and then the rest of halal, says that you can do the rest of the night because... Um, Because it's only a mitzvah drabonin. It's only the Torah mitzvah that you should do by midnight. Um, another question that I had on Tosos, why he's clear to Paschal like this, is so make, why don't we just say to make sure to eat the first matzah that you eat by midnight. So the matzah that you eat at the beginning of the meal, eat that by midnight. You fulfilled your mitzvah Torah of eating matzah. And then you can say that the mitzvah of eating apikomen is only drabonin. And also have the rest of the night to eat it. Now there are opinions that the afikoman is the key mitzvah, but I don't know why you can't, uh, why Tosos is adamant to say that you have to eat your matzah, all your matzah by midnight, including the afikoman, because it's like the Korban Pesach. As I said, I've got two questions there. Okay, but let's uh, carry. Hadron Oloch HaKoyre Lemafreya, Hadron Oloch HaKoyre Lemafreya, Hadron Oloch HaKoyre Lemafreya. Let's start the new parrot, the third parrot. I'm now going to discuss reading the Megillah, and this is also going to trigger a discussion regarding the Kriya uh, Satora laning in Shul. So, you can read the Megillah standing or sitting. Interesting, according to Rashi, it seems it doesn't matter. You can choose whether you want to stand or sit. Rambam says, no, you must, if you're reading in a community, you must stand out of respect for the community. But... Strictly speaking, you can choose to stand or sit. Then it says, Kora Echot, Kora Shnaim, Yotsu. Whether, whether you're listening to one person read the Megillah or two people read the Megillah, you fulfill your obligation. We'll see the novelty in this when we contrast it with reading of the Torah. But generally, we have a principle that you can't hear two sounds at once. You can't hear two voices at once. But here we're saying, by Mikra Megillah, you still fulfill your obligation if you're listening to two people read it at once. If the, your place has a minag to say the bracha, this is after the Megillah, then you can say the bracha. If it has a mitzvah to not say the bracha, you should not say the bracha. Interestingly, Rashi doesn't. He changes that. He says it doesn't mean that you sh if the, the minag is to not say a bracha, then you don't say a bracha. He says you don't have to say a bracha. I, even if the minag is to not say the bracha, you can if you want. I thought that was quite interesting that Rashi comes along and changes that. Okay, now we move on to laning. So it says, On Monday, Thursday, and Mincha at Shabbos, You only lane three aliyahs, and you're not allowed to do less than three aliyahs, or more than three aliyahs. And you don't say Haftorah. Rashi explains the reason for both those halachas is, it's a work day, people are busy, if you start adding to the aliyahs, people are going to be late for work, get aggravated. And he says, so too, they used to have long droshas on Shabbos. So by the time they dove in Mincha, it was late Shabbos afternoon. So again, you don't, uh, you don't add to the aliyahs, to the three aliyahs. And not only that, you don't say Haftorah. So that's with Monday, Thursday and Shabbos Mincha. Hapo. Then it says, If you 
the person who starts the laning says the opening bracha and the person who ends the laning says the closing bracha. I, you know, we say birchas, the Kumara is going to address this, but we say birchas Torah by each aliyah. The per, you get called up to the Torah, you say the bracha before the laning and the bracha after the laning. The Mishnah is saying, no, the correct way to do it, and the Kumara will discuss this, is that you, one person says the bracha before the laning, the person who gets Rishon, who gets called up first, says the bracha before. You do all the aliyahs calling up all the different people. And then at the end, you say one bracha, the after bracha, the that bracha you only so each bracha interesting enough according to the, the initial practice is always one at the beginning and one at the end not before and after each aliyah just to clarify another point before we go on also how they used to do laming is remember the person who got called up for the aliyah used to do the actual laming he would call up to the Torah and he would read from the Torah Whereas nowadays we have that, there's a Balkora, you get called up for the Torah, and you don't, uh, you get called up for the Torah, and you don't lane, you leave it for the person who's the laner, for the Shliatsibur to lane. So that's a, that's a difference to be aware of in the Mishnah and Altam. Okay, let's carry on. Then it says, Baroshei Chodoshim, Becholoshomoid, Koirin Arba, on. Rosh, Chodesh, and Cholomoid, you read four alias. Ein Poichsin Mehen, Ein Moisifin Alehen. You're not allowed to add to the alias or do less than alias. You're not allowed to do less than four or more than four. Ein Maftirin Benovi, and you don't lane in the Novi. Rashi again points out because on Cholomoid, some people have work that they're allowed to do on Cholomoid. We know there's work you're allowed to do and work you're not allowed to do. We'll see more about that in Moid Katan. Um, what you're allowed to do on Kolomoid and what you're not allowed to do. But since there is work you're allowed to do, again, people, you can't spend too long, so you only do four aliyahs, no more, no less, and you don't do Haftarah. And someone who is, the, you only say one bracha at the beginning of the laning and one bracha at the end of the laning. This is the general rule. If it's a Musa, if there is Musaf, but it's not Yom Tov, you have four aliyahs. Be Yom Tov, on Yom Tov, Hamisha, you have five aliyahs. Be Yom Kippurim, on Yom Kippur, Shisha, you have six aliyahs. Be Shabbos Shiva, and on Shabbos, you have seven aliyahs. Um, interesting enough, so we see as the days go up in Kedusha, you add aliyahs. A regular weekday, you only do three. Rosh Chodesh and Cholamoyed, you do four. Days that there is a Musaf, but there's no... Um, there is Musaf, but there's no Yom Tov. Days that are a Yom Tov as well, you do five years. Yom Kippur, you do six, and Shabbos, you do seven. And then the Gemara says, um, You're not allowed to do less aliyahs than that. You're allowed to add to the aliyahs. You also do Aftorah and Aposech. And the person who, you say one bracha at the beginning of the laning and one bracha at the end of the laning. Just two interesting points on this. This that you're allowed to add aliyahs. Is it going back on all these days, Yom Tov, Yom Kippur and Shabbos? You're allowed to add aliyahs? Or is it only going on Yom Tov? So Rashi seems to, only going on Shabbos. Rashi seems to say that on all these days, you want to add aliyahs in Shul on Yom Tov? You can. You want to add aliyahs in Shul on Shabbos? You can. Others learn that not only on Shabbos. 
Yom Tov and Yom Kippur, you're not allowed to add aliyahs. The only time you're allowed to add to the set number of aliyahs is Shabbos. And one of the things that makes logical, imagine it's Yom Kippur or, and you decide to add an extra aliyah. How many aliyahs do you end up doing? Seven. You're initially doing six because it's Yom Kippur. Now you added an aliyah, you're doing seven. The problem with doing that is now it looks like it's Shabbos. And as we said, as you go up in Kedusha, you're supposed to have an extra aliyah. So that's why some say you're only allowed to add these extra aliyahs on Shabbos. I think that's how we pass and I don't ever recall seeing aliyahs added on a Yom Tov. But once in a while on Shabbos you see them add in aliyahs. Okay, yeah, let's go on to the Gomorrah. So he says, Tana, this is going back on that you can stand or sit reading the Megillah. He says, Masha'ain Kain Torah, which does not apply by the, the Torah reading. Minani Mili, what's the source? So Omer Biavu to Omer Kro, Biavu says from the following Possum. says, Vatopo Omodimuti. Hashem tells Moshe, tell B'nai Israel they can go back, but you will remain here, Omodimuti, standing with me. I on Har Sinai, when Moshe was learning the Torah, he had to be standing. Now, interesting enough, and this I didn't get to clarify, is when we're discussing now standing or sitting by Torah, are we discussing during Kriyas HaTorah? Or are we discussing during learning Torah? Like now we're having a shir, should we maybe be standing? Or maybe when you're sitting after shir learning something, should you maybe be standing? Or are we specifically speaking about during the Kriya Satora? And if we're referring to Kriya Satora, we're referring to the person reading or the whole community. There are opinions that brought that you should all be standing for Kriya Satora unless you have a good excuse. You're elderly, you're sick or something like that, but you should be standing. So I'm not sure the rest of the sugya, are we referring to Kriya Torah that you should be standing? Or are we specifically referring to learning Torah, in, or, we, or are we turn, re, referring to learning in Torah in general? Now, Rabbi Avol says, if not for the fact that the Pasuk says it, I would not be able to say it. It's as if it's saying, that even Hashem was standing. Hashem said when Hashem was teaching Moshe the Torah, okay, and obviously Hashem doesn't stand, he's not, uh, he doesn't have a form, and he's not physically, he can't stand from that, in that understanding of it. But to, to a degree, it's as if to give the Torah, to teach Moshe the Torah, he made sure to be standing. How do you know that a Rebbe should not be sitting on the chair while his students sitting around him on the, sh- on the floor? You will remain here standing with me. We see that when Hashem taught Moshe the Torah, both of them stood. So, so too, when a Rebbe is teaching his students Torah, both of them should stand. And Tonu Rabbonin, they learned, we taught in a bride, They used to only learn Torah standing. Once Rabbon Gamliel died, sickness descended into the world. I people became weaker. And they would learn Torah sitting behind it at nine. And this is what the Mishnah means when it says, Mishameis Rabbi Gamil Botlo Kavodah Torah. Once Rabbi Gamil died, the glory of Torah was negated. I am that. So we see that actually in the early generations, to learn Torah, they were particular to stand. And it was out of covered for the Torah. If you think about it, in a way, when we learn Torah, it should be an experience of uh, a revelation of. Uh, 
of it's Hashem talking to us, it's Hashem teaching us His Torah. It's, we're hearing, we're reading the words of Hashem, so we should be standing when we're learning Torah. But obviously, since it's not so practical for us, we'll get tired and get more distracted. We're allowed to sit and learn. We'll see another leniency now. Toner, um, One Pasuk says, Ba Moshe, I will sit on the mountain. Because of Echor Oimer, Bahar, and I stood on the mountain. I remained on, so one Pasuk says, I sat on the mountain, and one Pasuk Moshe says, I stood on the mountain. So how do you resolve it? Didn't we just say Moshe was standing? So Omar Rav, Rav says that when he was learning the new points, he was standing. When he was reviewing his learning, he was sitting. Rabbi Hanina Omer Lo Omer Velo Yoshev Elo Shoyche. Rabbi Hanina says, no, it's telling us that he wasn't either standing or sitting; he was bowed over. And Rabbi Yochanan Omer Ain Yeshiva Elo Loshan Akiva Akova. No, sitting it doesn't mean I sat on the mountain. He means I remained on the mountain. Shneimar says, Vateishu VeKodesh Yomim Rabim. They remained in Kodesh for many days. It doesn't mean that they sat. When they camped in the desert, I mean, they literally sat there the whole time. It means they remained there. So this word, that's what Rabbi Yochanan translates it. Um, Rava, or my Rava, gives another answer. He says, Rachos v'kashos meyushav, the easy sections of the Torah he stood for, and the hard sections of the Torah that took, I guess, more energy he sat down for. Um, interesting, we see that Torah learn um, also makes sense if it's an easier point, so you stand up and you listen to it. But when it really takes your energy and your full concentration to be able to grasp it, okay, so sit down for it. Um, interesting also, we see, I mean, we know the, the almost, one is say legends, but the Midrashim and the, about Moshe on Har Sinai. Remember, he went up Har Sinai, he climbed this mountain, he sat there talking to Hashem, and he didn't sleep or eat or drink for 40 days. All of a sudden, when he's learning Torah, he gets tired and he needs to sit. There elsewhere, we see that, I mean, to a degree, we should be putting in our entire being to every single point of Torah we learn, that it would be the most energy draining of all activities. Okay, let's carry on. We said, Bar Mikra Megillah, where the one or two people read it, you still fulfill your obligation. Tana and the Bryce are taught, which is not so with the Torah reading. Torah reading, if two people read the Torah at once, you do not fulfill your obligation. You'd have to get the one person to lay in it again. A question on this, not going to go into it now, but something to think about is, but isn't the ideal way by laying is, is how we do it nowadays, is that when you get called up for the Aliyah, you're listening to the Balkorah and you're reading quietly along with him. But how can you do that? Then you can't fulfill your mitzvah. So that's something. And also you might be ruining other people's mitzvah. So that's something to think about. Um, but just to, before we go into this, to add in a point, remember they used to have, when they would have the Torah reading, they would have after each pasuk a maturgaman, someone who would translate it and explain it to most of the people. Most of the people there didn't necessarily speak Hebrew. They spoke Aramaic. So you had someone giving over the psukim and explaining them, I'm assuming concisely, in Aramaic. It would be the same as imagine after each pasuk, the Balkore paused, and someone, the Rav or someone, said the pasuk outside in English. So they used to do that for Kriya Satora. So he says, so you can only have one person learning and one matargam, one person explaining the psukim. And you're not even allowed, you're not allowed to have one person do learning and two people do 
Targum. And obvious you wouldn't be allowed to have two people do laning, but even Targum you're not allowed to have. Then it says, When it comes to reading in the Novi, then you can have one person read and two person do the t- translations, the explanations, as long as you don't have two people reading from the Targum. Rashi explains the difference. I'll just read the whole Rashi quickly. It's the second Rashi on the page of Novi. Why is there a difference? Why Novi can you have one person, you can have two people doing the Targum, whereas in Chumash you can't. So he says, So first he says quite a controversial line. He says, the Targum is only for women and unlearned people who don't understand the Hebrew. Targum, Aramaic, what's the language that they spoke in? When reading in the Torah and the person's explaining it, you want that everyone understands what he's saying so that they know the mitzvahs. Remember, when you're going through the Torah, you're learning about the mitzvahs, you're learning the halachas. So that's why you want someone to explain it. But with Nevi'im, we're not so particular that everyone understands exactly what was said. So if two people are translating it at once, we don't mind. Then he says, If in Halal and Megillah, you can even have 10 people read them and 10 people translate them. My timer. Oh, why Halal and Megillah different? Why in general can you only have one person say something? But by Halal and Megillah, you can have even 10. It says, Since people love them, they're dear and precious to people, he will pay extra attention to make sure he can hear what is being said. Just an interesting point here. Rashi says, we said, 10 people can read Targum. So Rashi says, you've got to take that out. Because remember, we learned early in the Masech, that Yonasan ben Uziel translated Novi, wrote the Targum for Novi, and the whole world shuddered 400 parsa, and then he wanted to do it for Ksuvim as well. And Hashem didn't allow him. So, Baksuvim, there's no Targum. There's, that's what Rashi's issue is. You can't tell me that 10 people read the Targum of Halal and the Megillah. Both Halal is from Tehillim, which is Ksuvim, and Megillah is from Ksuvim. So, Rashi says, this, this text must be inaccurate. Tosva says no. Tosva says there is the Targum. There's not the Targum by Yonasan ben Uziel, but there's a different Targum. And that's what we're talking about. Okay, let's carry on. Mokam shenogul avorech levorech. We said if Omar Abaye loishana elal achreo avalafaneo mitzvah levorech. Says this that the place says it depends on whether to regarding saying the bracha on Megillah reading. That's not referring to the bracha before. Obviously, you have to say the bracha before reading the Megillah. The 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 minag is what determines saying the bracha after the Megillah reading. To Omar Abu, how do we know that you have to say a bracha before Megillah reading? To Omar Abu Omar Shmuel, kol mitzvahs kula mevorech aleim over lasiosam. All mitzvahs you have to say the bracha over lasiosam before you do the mitzvah. So you have to say a bracha before you do mikra Megillah, and that we know that famous halacha. That all mitzvahs we say the bracha right before doing the mitzvah. Says my mashmatahai over lishna da'at dumehu. Where do you see that this word over means preceding? Because that's what Rabbi Huda didn't use a normal term of koidem. You say the bracha before doing the mitzvah. He says, do the bracha over. We're translating it as before preceding doing the mitzvah. But over, where do you see that? So you're going to bring a few psukim to show that. This is when they were going to tell David that his son had been killed in battle and Achimatz overtook the kushi and preceded him. 
By Yavor Es HaKushi, he preceded the Kushi. This was when Yaakov and his family were going to meet Esav. So he says, Yaakov went before his family. Another possibility says, The king passed before them, went before them, and Hashem at their head. So that, either way, we see that Vayogor can mean before. Interesting, I saw why, why, if he means before, you say the bracha before doing the mitzvah, why doesn't he just say, Lifkoidem, or Lifnei, the normal phrase, why use the strange phrase of Oiver? So the one answer given is because Oiver implies immediately before. So you want to do the bracha right, right before you do the mitzvah, and that's why he uses a strange term of of Oiver. Okay, then it says, What prophet do you say? Rav Sheshes from Cartesia went before Ravashi to read the Megillah and he said the Brocha Menach. What's Menach? So Menach stands for Al Mikra Megillah. So that's the first Brocha. Then the next one would be etc. And the third bracha would be Shehechianu. Um, once we're mentioning Shehechianu, just to be aware um, that we only the only mitzvah on Purim we say Shehechianu is on Mikra Megillah. And I don't know if you remember at the beginning we touched on, we say Shehechianu at the night Megillah reading, but Tosos brought that the day reading is the Ika reading. And therefore you should also say Shehechianu there. And so we, that's why we say Sheikh Yanu both at the night Megillah reading and the morning Megillah reading. Again, some don't say um, it's a little bit, it is a bit difficult. How can you say Sheikh Yanu at the night and the day if you've already done the mitzvah the night before? But that's the one point, if I remember correctly, Tosas one, Tosas one answer was because it's the main one. And then another important point, when you do hear Sheikh Yanu in the morning for Mikra Megillah, have in mind that it's for the other special mitzvahs of that day, like Batonus Levyonim and Mishlach Manos and the Seuda. Okay, then it says, What's the special bracha that you say afterwards? After the Megillah. He says, Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech Oilom, Haravis Rivenu, who takes up our argument, Hadanis Dineinu, takes up our judgment, Vanoike Esnik Moseinu, takes up our vengeance, pays back our enemies, those who oppress us, and he pays their due deserts to those who are the enemies of ourselves, who redeems or pays back all those who harass the Jews, Rava Omer, Akela Moshir. So Robert says, no, you should end it off as Akela Moshe. So Amar Apopah Hilkach Nimrinu Letavai. So we'll end it off with both of them. Baruch Hashem Hanifrela Yisrael Mikol Tzorehem Hokel Hamoshia. Okay, that's how you end off the Megillah reading. Just an interesting thing. The base Yosef mentions why is this bracha? It seems to be quite redundant, like expressive. Haravis Rivenu Adanis Tineinu Nokames Nekmasenu. Then it mentions. Al Mitzoreinu, one type of enemy, and the Cholovenu, another type of energy. So he explains how each of them refer to different times the Jews are persecuted. He says, Haraves Rivenu is someone who just comes and attacks the Jews for no reason. He just causes fights. Hadan is where a non-Jew might have a claim against the Jew. He might say, look, the Jews are, I guess this has been a, this is a, probably an anti-Semitic claim, but, you know, they claim that the Jews are taking all the wealth of the country. 
or something like that, or that the Jews aren't loyal, they have a claim, so that's done in a case of, they're not just oppressing the Jews because they want to oppress them, because they're anti-Semites, they're couching it in a claim, we've got a judgment against the Jews, look what they're doing, even there, we're done as Dinana, Hashem will save us from their judgment, and Nokem is Nokemoseinu, is often, non-Jews often have power over the Jews, our enemies have power over us because of the various we've done. We just dive into Hashem is because we know they generally take it too far. So take up vengeance for us. That's the Nakamish Nekmasenu. And then the last two phrases, Mitzorenu and Oivainafshenu, he says again, there's two types of paying back Hashem's Nifrolonu Mitzorenu, pay us back for our enemies. Those are enemies who, um, for whatever reason, they end up harming the Jews. So pay them back. And Meshalem Gemul, Gemul implies like Mida Kenegen, Mida, their just desserts, is Oivainafshenu, those who are extra anti-Semites and are out there to really get the Jews, make sure that they are paid back completely. Okay, let's carry on. Then we now go on to, so that's the part of the mission that discusses the laying the Megillah, reading the Megillah, and now move on to the part that discusses the Kriya Torah. So we said that there are three aliyahs on Monday, Thursday, and Shabbos and Mincha. What did they institute three aliyahs corresponding to? So Omar Abasi, Keneget Torah, Nevi Muksuvin. Corresponding to the three sections of the written law, Torah, Nevim, and Ksuvim. Rabba Omar Kaneged Kohanim Nevim V'Yisraelim. And Elohor Dutani Rafsimi Ain Poiskin Miyud Psukim Bevesakneses. Oh, and this that Rafsimi says we never lay in less than ten Psukim in the Shul, Vayadaber Oilem in Aminyan, and the Posuk Vayadaber, Vayadaber Hashem Moshele Mor, counts as one of the Psukim. Hani Asor Kaneged Mi, where did they get? 10 psukim from. We can strengthen. So he says, okay, so we have a reason why there are three aliyahs. Torah Nevi'im Tzuvim, Koen Levi Yisrael, the three section parts of the Jewish nation. But why, where do we get 10 psukim? And even stronger, I guess, we can say that the minimum aliyah, the shortest aliyah is three psukim. So why not just nine psukim? Why 10 psukim? So he says, corresponding to the Ten people who used to sit around in shul. Remember, we learned in a big town they used to pay ten people to be available for minyan. They used to have to sit in shul the whole day, so whenever you needed a minyan, there was a minyan waiting. Rabbi Yosef Omar Kenegras corresponding to the Shinemru Moshe Misinat, corresponding to the Ten Commandments. Some have this one. Rabbi Levi Omar Kenegras Omar corresponding to the Ten Hallelujahs that David said in Tehillim. Rabbi Yochanan Omer, Keneged Asorah Mamorah Shehem Nebra Rabbi Yochanan says, corresponding to the ten statements that the world was created with it. Hi Ninu, which are they? So Vayam Meir Debarachis. In the paragraph at the beginning of the Torah, every time you find the phrase Vayomer, that's referring to one of the one of the instances, the one of the Mamoras, the ten statements that Hashem created the world with. Oh honey, Tishavu, but if you count there, it only says Vayomer nine palms. He says, "Bereish is nami mamar who dilsive bedaber Hashem, yeah, bedaber Hashem shemayim nasu baruch piv calls form." No, the word bereish is implies its own creation. So bereish is baroi lo kimes shemayim beesaret, as we see in another pasuk. It says, "Bedaber Hashem shemayim nasu." The heavens were made through Hashem's speech. So bereish is also a teaching of Hashem. Okay, um, Tosus point out. He says. 
Wait, you're telling me we never read less than three than ten psukim? What about the parsha on Purim? The Purim where we read about the destruction of Amalek, that's only nine psukim, not ten psukim. So he says very interesting. He says, No, because the parish of Amalek is relevant. Why are we reading that parish on that day? Because it's relevant to Purim. And not only that, the whole discussion is just nine psukim. So there's no so that's why you don't need to add. Generally when we're laning there's not a clear connection between one parsha and that week, or one paragraph in the Chumash and that day. So to add in or to, to add in a few psukim is not at all a deal. It's not, there's no reason to not do it. And therefore we say minimum of 10. But by Amalek on Purim, the only reason we're reading about Amalek is because it's Purim. We're not doing any laning just to be laning, just to be learning Torah. We're doing it because it's of Amalek. And it's the whole paragraph. Okay, let's do one more sugya. Remember, if there are three aliyahs, one of the, and you have to do ten psukim, one of the aliyahs are going to do um, four psukim. And Robert says whether it's the first, the second, or the third aliyah, it's meshubach, it's praiseworthy. Now we're going to quickly say where do we see that each of these are praiseworthy, that there's a reason why they should maybe do it, do the four psukim. With the remember they would take three baskets of three sayer and then they would draw from that money to buy the communal offerings. They would write Aleph Beis Gimel on each of the baskets. I basket one, basket two, basket three. Says later Nisna so that they know which basket they filled first. To bring sacrifices from the money from that basket first, she mitzvah berishon because there's a special mitzvah with the first person. Oh, so we see. So if the first person does the four psukim, ah, wonderful. It's mitzvah berishon. And so shakara arba meshuvah. Where do we see that the middle one is praiseworthy? So detanya el mupenam muuri yeiru. You will light them facing the menorah. Now just to understand this, this is all in the opinion that the menorah was lying from north to south, and therefore it says you arrange the wicks inwards all towards the middle one the western candle once it called the western candle because that was towards the west towards the Kodesh HaKadoshim the Holy of Holies so that's the that's how they would structure and, and basically we see that by the fact that they're all set to face the middle one we see the middle one is Choshev let's see that inside when it says that you light the candles towards the face of menorah that's telling us you light all the all the lamps the wicks facing the middle, the Ner Marovi, the Ner Marovi clap is and the Ner Marovi is towards the Shechina. We see that the middle is most praiseworthy. So, okay, so there, so we see a special dimension of the middle. There's Ba'achron, Shekoro, Arbo, Meshubach. And so, too, if the last one is the one who reads the four Psukim, is praiseworthy, Mishum, Ma'anim, Mekodesh, Velomaridin, because you should go up in holiness and not decrease in holiness. Now, Papa Ikle, the Vaiknishta, the Abba Goivar, the Koro Rishon, Arba, Rav Papa went to the base Knesses in Abbey Gover, and the first person did the four psukim, and he said, well done, that's special. Okay, and we'll leave it here for today. Before we'll talk again.